starting today, I want to start a new Sunday series. And I'm really excited about this because this is going to push some of us. Uh, I want to call it Tough Questions. Tough Questions. And I want to deal with some of the tough questions that you might be dealing with as you, uh, as you pursue your relationship with Jesus Christ, or maybe there are questions that others have asked you that you didn't have answers for, or maybe questions that you're afraid somebody's going to ask you, so maybe you're a little reluctant to share your faith in Christ because you know some of these questions are coming that you may not have the answer for. So we're going to deal with some of those uh, over the next few weeks, and uh, Pastor Kyle will tell you at the end of the service uh, how you can text in your questions so that you can be a part of this series this month by sending your questions. We'll deal with them from a scriptural basis. And that's the only thing that I can commit to you is that we will deal with them from the scriptures. I'm not, I'm not interested in being politically correct. I'm not interested in uh, being just culturally acceptable. I'm interested in what the Bible says. So we're going to deal with every tough question from the scripture standpoint. So if you have a problem, email God. All right. All right. So next week, I'll tell you right now, next week, I'm going to, I'm going to take on probably some of the more, uh, the, the, the top questions that get asked. And I'm going to deal with like a second tier questions, uh, today, but next week we'll talk about things like why do bad things happen to good people? Why doesn't God end all suffering? Uh, why won't he take my addictions away? Why are some people healed and some people are not? Uh, and I don't know if I'll get into all of this, but things that we're going to deal with things like, can you be a homosexual and Christian at the same time? Can you continue to sin and be a Christian? Uh, why does evil seem to always prevail? Why should I go to church with hypocrites? I'm pretty sure that was for all the people in the other services, right? Yeah. What's the mark of the beast? We're going to talk about a lot of fun stuff this month. It's going to be great. Uh, but let's start today with probably, if, if I go back to some of the questions that I get asked the most, uh, right there at the top are, you know, why do bad things happen to good people? Why doesn't God just end all suffering? This would be probably the third or fourth most asked question. And the reason I'm doing these this way is because you have time to make sure you invite people to come next week. But the first question that I'm going to deal with today is this, and that is, how can a loving God send people to hell? If God is so loving, why in the world would he send people to hell? That just seems cruel and unjust. Well, the short answer is he doesn't. Sin does. Sin is what sends people to hell. God's been working uh, desperately to prevent us from going to hell, even sending his own son to die on a cross so that we wouldn't go to hell. So, but let me paraphrase it like this, and I'm going to provide scripture for every one of these questions in just a minute, but let's put it like this. What if you knocked on the door of the most expensive house in North Dallas, in the biggest neighborhood, and you just walked up to any random house, you don't know who lives there, they don't know you, and you just knock on the door, and they open the door, total strangers, and you just inform them, hey, I'm moving in with you. How many of you, how, how do you think that would go? That would probably not go well. I don't think there's anybody here that thinks a normal, sane person would say, well, sure, yeah, just come on in. 
Uh, no, you, we just don't do that. Uh, so, but people live their own lives, do their own thing, uh, reject God, disobey his commandments, live according to their own pleasures, their own will, their own way. But then somehow or another at the end of their life, they get to the end of their life and knock on God's door and says, hey, oh, by the way, I'm moving in with you. I'm coming in. Why would we think that God should allow that person in when they have never pursued a relationship with Christ their entire life? Most people say, well, because God's a loving God. He's a loving God. He's a loving God because he gives us the opportunity to choose to serve him or not. That's the proof of his love. And I'll explain that. You see, if we choose to reject him, he's our creator, but he's not our father. We, he is our father when we come into right relationship with him. And being in a right relationship with him is found in John 1, 12. It says, yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. We become children of God because we believe and receive. That's what makes us children of God. We're all created by God. He's our creator, but he comes our father when we become his sons and daughter. Let's say it like this, ladies. Let's say a guy came up to you, you did not know him from total stranger, and he, you know, vows his undying affection for you and tells you he's in love with you and uh, wants you to be his girl. <laughs> There's a smart lady right over there. Yeah, no, no, no. Okay, but what if he comes back tomorrow, says the exact same thing? Double no. Yeah, yeah. And then somehow or another, he found your cell phone number and he's texting you and he's calling you all hours of the night telling you how much he loves you and he just keeps showing up. He showed up at work. I mean, he showed up at your house. You are out uh, hanging out with some friends at the movies. He showed up at the movie theater and he tells you, I love you and because I love you, you must love me. See, there's nobody in here that thinks that's right. There's just something wrong with that. Well, what's the next thing you do? You call and get a restraining order. That's what you do. You see, there's nothing right about that. But somehow or another, we feel like God has this responsibility if we continue to reject him, continue to reject him, continue to reject him, we think that God is going to force us into a relationship with him. That's not love. God doesn't force us into a relationship with him. He gives us the free will to choose him or to reject him, which is painful, but he has not made a bunch of robots out of us. He, real love is something that you have the ability to choose or not. If we're forced to follow him, that's just wrong. We see it in our natural relationships, but it has to be seen with our relationship with God as well, which leads to a second question. Why did God create humans if he knew some were going to hell? I mean, how can that be a loving God? How can that be a just God? Why would he even create us? The, his foreknowledge does not change our will to choose. Just because he knows what's happening, it doesn't take away our right to choose. In fact, the Bible says, and here, here's one word you're going to hear throughout this message and throughout these series of questions, relationship. Everybody say relationship. 
You need to understand that God wants a relationship with you, but he gives you a choice to accept it or to walk away from it. He will not stalk you and force you into a relationship, but he will offer you and invite you and give you that chance to have relationship. He had relationship with Adam and Eve in the garden. He says he walked with him in the cool of the evening. He wants fellowship. He wants relationship. But notice this on these next scriptures. I want you to see this. Genesis 1.26 says, let us make man in our image. What, is, what does that mean? That meant fellowship. The Trinity was in fellowship, in communion with each other. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's all that existed at this time. But he said, let's make man in our image to have fellowship, relationship with us. But then there's two things that I want you to notice here. In Genesis 1.3, when God started creation, he said, let there be light, there was light. He spoke and things existed. Everything from light, darkness, the expanse to trees, vegetation, the waters, the oceans, uh, animals on ground, animals in the sea. He made all of that by his spoken word. He spoke it into existence. He said it was good. But then when it came time to create man, he went one step further. And it says in Genesis 2, 7, he formed man from the dust of the ground. He didn't just speak into existence. He went one step further and he touched us. He formed us from the dust of the ground. In other words, he wants closeness. He wants intimacy. He wants relationship. He wants fellowship with mankind. That's why we are different and separated from the animal kingdom. They were created by a spoken word, but he formed us and he created us and he still wants relationship with us today. We are invited into relationship with him and we have the choice to choose to accept it or to walk away from it. But what if somebody is a victim of tragic circumstances? Let's say their entire life, they were treated terrible, inhumane, unjust. Somebody spent their life as a victim in the Holocaust. Or maybe somebody was in a home where they were molested. Or maybe they were a a, a victim of of incest or, or rape or some other type of inhumane, unjust treatment. And because of that, they felt abandoned by God. They hardened their heart and lived a life separated from God. But then at the end of their life, they're laying there about to pass from life. And somebody comes to them and gives them one last chance to accept Christ and they still reject God. Does a loving God actually send that person to hell? They've been treated so bad, so wrong their entire life. Does God really send them to hell? Well, we kind of dealt with that, with the fact that God doesn't send anyone to hell. Sin does. But here's what I need us to understand, is that there's a presumption in that question that everyone wants to go to heaven, and not everyone wants to go to heaven. Some people have chosen to run from God, to rebel from God, to do their own thing. In fact, singers write songs about it. If heaven's not like a relationship we have here on earth, I don't wanna go there. Something, if all the, my friends are in hell, that's where I wanna go. Some people just don't want to go to heaven. And so is it right for us to think that the person that has avoided God, rejected God, run from God their entire life for whatever reason, at the end of their life, God's gonna step into their life and say, hey, I know you've rejected me and run from me your entire life, but I'm sorry, you have to come with me now. I'm forcing you to spend eternity with me. God doesn't do that. 
He gives every single one of us a choice. But we need to understand that hell was not prepared for you or for me. The Bible tells us in Matthew 25, verse number 41, that hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. That's what hell was prepared for. So when we start thinking about how could God send people to hell, he's trying to keep us from going to hell. Hell is prepared for the devil and his angels. That's who he wants in hell, not you and me or any of our loved ones. We have to remember that, but that leads us to a third question. Isn't everyone children of God? If God made us all, aren't we all his children? And wouldn't he protect us all and keep us from going to hell? Well, the fact is we're not all children of God. I said we're created by God. We're a creation, but we are made sons and daughters of God, according to Galatians 3.26, through faith in Christ Jesus. That's what makes us sons and daughters of God, putting our faith in Christ Jesus, because Jesus drew a clear distinction, even in John 8, 44, he said, for you, you are the children of your father, the devil. There were some people that were living like the devil, and he says, you're of your father, the devil. And I, I know some of those people. I've, I've met them. You've met them too. But Jesus said this because there were people who had made no place in their heart for the message of Jesus Christ. In John 8, 37, just a few verses earlier uh, before this, he says, yes, Uh, I realize that you are descendants of Abraham, and yet some of you are trying to kill me because there's no room in your heart for my message. And there are a lot of people that have just chosen not to open up their heart for the message of Jesus Christ. And because of that, they are separated from him. They're created by him, but not his son or his daughter. Using the same illustration of moving into someone's house. Let me ask you this. If a stranger came to you, came to your house, knocked on your door, total stranger and said they were moving in to your home. Would it be fair for me to call you mean or unloving if you didn't let them in? Would it be fair for me? No, it wouldn't be fair because you're not being mean or unloving. You're just using common sense. It's not based on love. It's based on relationship. Now, if you went to somebody who you had a relationship with and I was without a place to stay and I went to Ron Nelson's house and knocked on his door and said, would you let me in? He'd probably stick me in the garage, but he'd at least give me a place to, you can sleep in my canoe in the garage, okay? But it, was, it would be based on a relationship. You would let people in if you had relationship, but not if you don't. So it's the same with God in our relationship with him. God's invited all of us into relationship with him. And he's done everything he can to try to prevent us from spending eternity out of his presence. See, hell is really separation from God. And he's done everything. He has put the church in our community to keep us from making the decision to be separated from God. He's put people in your life who have told you about Jesus. He has sent his word to tell us about his plan for our lives. He has sent his Holy Spirit who convicts us and draws us in so that we would hear about Jesus, so that we would not make a decision to fall away from him. He has put plenty of roadblocks in our lives. In fact, let let me explain it like this. What if you came to my house And I said, hey, enjoy the whole house, except for that door right there, that door that has the 
lock on it, that steel door that's over there has a lock on it. Don't open that door under any circumstances because there's a lion behind it. And if you open that door, it will kill you. Some people, now your interest is peaked. And so you really want to know what's behind that door. But what if I said, look, I haven't just told you to stay away from that door. There's actually a sign over there. I put a sign so that you would say, in fact, I paid for a neon sign. And the neon says, the sign says, don't open this door under any circumstances. If you do, you will die. Stay away from this door. So let me ask you a question. Ernesto, what if you opened the door anyway and died? Jennifer, let me ask you, is it my fault or is it Ernesto's? Be real with me. Uh, both? No, don't blame me. I warned the hard-headed fool. I told him don't open the door. I put a neon sign that said don't open the door. You're going to blame me? Jennifer, thought we were closer than that. The fact is, Ernesto made a decision that I warned him. I pled with him. Please, I paid for a cool sign. The fact is God has put signs up everywhere. His nature is a sign that God exists and he continues to present himself to us that I want relationship with you. I want you to be in right relationship with me. So I am telling you, don't go down this pathway. It ends in destruction. There's a lion on the other side that will kill you. Don't open that door. Yet we still choose to open the door and many still choose to Blame God. The fact is, 2 Peter 3, 9 says that uh, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. He wants all of us to come to repentance. That's why you're here or online listening to this message. It's one more opportunity where God's trying to get through saying, hey, I don't want you to perish. I don't want you to walk through that door. I want you to experience every good thing that I have planned for you. Which leads to another question. If the worship team starts coming back up here, listen, one more question. Don't all roads lead to God anyway? I mean, I'm making a big deal about this Jesus thing. Listen, let me, let me explain it like this. James Holmedal said, take some pastors out to eat. So let's say James invited me over to his house, invited Starla and I over to his house, and he gave me directions to his house. And he said, okay, listen, when you leave the church, I want you to turn left on Hebron and go back towards the tollway and get on the tollway and head north and get up there somewhere on north of Sam Rayburn Tollway. You're going to exit off and uh, that exit, and then you'll go down, and you'll find my house in that neighborhood. And it gives me these specific directions to his house. And what if I said to James, I said, James, that's really nice. Appreciate those directions. However, I don't like traveling north on the North Dallas Tollway. I really prefer to go south. So I'm going to go out here and I'm going to get on the North Dallas Tollway going south. And I'm going to get off. Oh, I'm going to get off somewhere around Forest Lane down there. And, and I'll exit off and I'll work my way over Loop 12. And, you know, maybe I'll come back up around Beltline. Yeah, Beltline's got a lot of restaurants. And no, in fact, maybe back down around Highland Park. I like those houses over there. So I'm going to go back down there. Can I find your house over there? No, you idiot. All those kind things I just said about you up here, I take back because 
You can't even follow directions. No, those directions don't go to my house. But yet we feel like when it comes to God, we are given clear directions to find God, to follow him. Yet we say, no, I don't really like those directions. I I would like to follow my own directions. And the fact is the directions lead through Jesus. John 14, six says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. The directions go through Jesus, whether you like those directions or not. That's the way to get there. Now, which leads to another question. Isn't it narrow-minded to think that Christianity is the only way? Aren't you being narrow-minded? Let me just answer that simply. No, it's not narrow-minded, but it is very specific. And there's a difference between being narrow-minded and being specific. Because being specific is just bringing it all down to where it really matters. Now, there are a lot of us that may have been raised with beliefs that we thought were right, that we figured out were wrong. And that's what Jesus meant when he said in Luke 11.35, make sure that the light you think you have is not actually darkness. Because listen, if we can believe whatever we want and all end up at the same place, then why did Jesus come and die for our sins? Why did Jesus come from heaven and leave the glory of heaven to take your sins and my sins upon himself and die a cruel death and be hung up on a cross, crucified, hung, bled, and died, placed in a tomb and rose on the third day? Why did all of that happen if we could take any road we wanted to get to heaven? We can't. The roads lead through Jesus. Some people just don't like being told this is the only way. There is something inside of some of us, and I'm going to throw myself in there. I don't like being told much of anything. That's just my nature. Some of you, you know, we're, not everybody's like that. But you tell me to do something, I will probably rebel. Ask me to do it, and I'll bend over backwards helping. I don't know, I'm just wired that way. But when there's some people, they're told Jesus is the only way they rebel. So I don't like it. That's like the person who's been told you have a terminal illness. But guess what? I have found the one cure for your terminal illness. There's no other cure but this one cure for your sickness. And I'll offer it to you. And you tell me, well, thank you, but... I would like options. And I'm not going to take this one cure for my terminal illness because I would like other options. That doesn't make any sense. The fact is we've been given the one cure for the sin issue and his name is Jesus. 1 John 5, 12 says, whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have God's son does not have life. It's pretty plain and simple. John 14, 6, we read earlier, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. In fact, let me explain it like this. When the Titanic went down, a message board was placed in Liverpool, England to help family members find their loved ones. And there were two categories on that message board. On one side of the message board, it said known to be saved and a list of people that were known to be saved. On the other side of the message board, it was titled known to be lost and those who were known to be lost. I want you to think about this. 
When people got on the Titanic, they came from all different backgrounds. Some had first-class tickets like Rose. Some had second-class tickets. Some had third-class tickets. Some, we don't know how Jack got on. But the fact is, there were people that came from all different backgrounds. But at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is which one of these categories are you in? Known to be saved, known to be lost. Which one? Because that's all it's going to boil down to. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says this, the message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction, but we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. Notice the two categories there. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction, but we who are being saved. Two categories. Known to be saved, known to be lost. Which leads to my last question, and I'm going to stop. What makes Christianity unique? How can I know this is the way? How can we know? I mean, come on, let's be real, Kendall. Why would I other people that have never heard about Jesus? Romans 1 has a great answer for that. Creation speaks of God's existence. When all else fails, people can't look into the heavens, the clouds and the mountains, and you can't see creation without knowing God exists. People have never heard. What about the Buddhists? What about the Muslims? What about people? In fact, Billy Graham said it like this. Christianity is not a religion, but it's a relationship. Relationship. He said most of the world's religions are based upon philosophical thought, except for Judaism, Buddhism, Islam, and Christianity. Those four major religions, I'll call it a religion for this conversation, are based upon personalities. Judaism, Jehovah God. Buddhism, Buddha. Islam, Muhammad. Christianity, Jesus Christ. Out of those four persons, only one can claim resurrection from the dead. Only one. What makes Christianity unique? Jesus came and died carrying our sins to the cross, but rose again on the third day, a claim that is certain and proven true. Christianity is the only religion that solved the issue with sin. So let me ask you a quick question. Because there's some right now, you're simply removing yourself from the whole sin issue. Somehow or another, we have a way of doing that. We make, it, we make ourselves feel better by pointing out others' sins. We make ourselves feel good by thinking I'm not as bad as somebody else. But just so we all understand that we're all in the same boat, let me ask you a question. How many have ever, and be completely truthful with me, how many have ever lied at some point in your life? You lied. told your mom and dad you didn't eat the cookie when you did you know when you said uh, tell them I'm not here that's a lie we've lied okay maybe it was a paper clip at work but how many have ever stolen anything I'm looking around most uh, now some of you just joined the lying group 
but I can see you're pretending you've never stolen anything. You've stolen something, or it was somebody's heart. You stole. Oh. All right, we got liars. We've got thieves. Do you know what the? You know what Jesus said? He said, if you look on someone with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. Oh, so I'm not even going to ask you if any of you committed adultery. I'm not even going to ask you. I know. Okay, so we got liars, we got thieves, we got adulterers. You know what the Bible says? Jesus made, he took the Ten Commandments to a whole nother level. When he said, if you've had hate in your heart towards somebody, you're guilty of murder. Anybody ever hated somebody? Oh yeah, so we got lying, thieving, adulterers, murderers in the house. I bet some of you slammed your thumb with the hammer and might have taken the, the, the Lord's name in vain. Maybe. The fact is, we are sinners and we have a sin issue. Christianity is the only religion that dealt with the sin issue. You see, it's, it's sin that sends people to hell. So God stepped in and dealt with the sin issue because we couldn't. Because the only way we could stay out of hell is to appear perfect before God in judgment. The only way this is humanly possible is for us to accept that God, through his son Jesus Christ, came to this earth, lived a perfect life, and took the punishment for our sins upon himself, and then rose again on that third day. That's the only way. No other religion did that but Jesus. In fact, Galatians 1.4 says this, Jesus gave his life for our sins just as God our Father planned in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. He has died so that we would be rescued. Why are we rejecting the rescue? Somebody's throwing a lifeline. Somebody has inflated that, that getaway boat and we're just staying there dying in our sins. Psalms 86, 5 says, Oh Lord, you're good, so ready to forgive, so full of unfailing love for all who ask for your help. He's ready. All you got to do is ask for his help. It's as simple as this. ABC, admit, admit you've sinned. And we just all did. Second B, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe that his sacrifice for your sins was enough. But then see, confess him as your Lord and Savior. It's as simple as that. That's kind of Romans 10, 9, and 10, all wrapped up into A, B, and C. Admit we're sinners, believe in Jesus, and confess him as your Lord and Savior, and he can rescue us off that road that's leading us to eternity and separation from him and put us on a road to eternal relationship with Jesus Christ. God wants to do that for you and do that for you today if you'll just let him. Do me a favor, stand to your feet all over this place. As you're standing, I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads just for a moment. As you bow your heads across this room, how many people from front, the back, the left, or the right, every man, woman, boy, and girl listening to me right now, you realize you are not in right relationship with Jesus Christ. You're on the wrong path. You've allowed questions and doubts and insecurities and fears to keep you from being in right relationship with. You've let hurts and pain and difficulties of the past keep you from right relationship with him but you realize you cannot leave this room 
without making things right with him. You cannot leave this room without saying, Jesus, come in, save me, forgive me. I confess you as my Lord and Savior. All over this room, from the front to the back, you say, Kendall, that's me. I want you to slip up your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. Say, that's me. That's me. Include me in prayer. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. How many of you say, that's me. Thank you. That's, thank you. That's me. Pray for me. I don't want to be left out. I want to be in right relationship with Jesus. How many of you say, that's me, Pastor. Pray for me. Don't forget me. Don't leave me out. Thank you. Thank you. Just one more moment. One more moment. Say, that's me. That's me. I want to make it right today. I want to get things right. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. I want us to pray this prayer. And I want us to pray it out loud and strong, deep from your heart. But God is reaching out to you, inviting you into a relationship with him. Say yes to Jesus. No to this world. Yes to heaven. No to hell. Say yes. Say this prayer with me right now. Everybody pray so no one prays alone. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me. Come into my heart. Wash away my sin. Be the Lord of my life. Today and every day. In Jesus' name. 